You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the lore edition, a podcast devoted to story-driven games. Here's your host, Joe. So everybody, welcome back to the Bow Down to Us Lore Edition. Uh, my name is Joe, and with me again today are Vince and Roger. Unfortunately, Roger's a little under the weather, so we won't be hearing too much from him tonight, maybe. And uh, I Vince, get last billing now? You do? Wow, I went from first billing to last. That sucks. <laughs> so how you boys doing? Well, we know how Roger's doing, but I'm doing yeah. pretty good. I'm Cranky here. pants over there because his name was second. I mean, it wasn't second, it was third after Joe. That's not oh. right. You don't get second billing yet, buddy. Hey, On your kick. podcast, you can have second billing. <laughs> not even first. Who's the sidekick? Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so this was actually a pretty good week in uh, story-related gaming and all things considered. Uh, first up on our, our list here was a game that a lot of people have really been anticipating, which is Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep for the PSP, which is going to be coming out on Tuesday, September 7th. Um, it is an awesome game that is actually going to be showing off a little more of the history uh, behind some of the Kingdom Hearts stuff. Uh, in particular, it explains a lot more about the origins of the Keyblade. Uh, it tells you basically where... Uh, these things came from what they're used for and the difference in the different Keyblade holders and how it's very much the Keyblade chooses the holder, not so much the other way around. Um, it's setting up to be a very rich RPG storytelling experiencing, experience following three characters throughout the world. You have your very classic Final Fantasy style action. You have all the Disney characters coming out of nowhere, uh, again, to produce what was surprisingly an amazing story in the first time that nobody really wanted to give, uh, you know, nobody really expected that much from the first time around, but has really grown into a, a, a solid RPG franchise. And in a world right now where RPGs are starting to make their comeback as well, a la the 90s, uh, it's nice to see something like this start coming out and not just be all about action sequences and about power leveling. It's something that you will actually get drawn into a fully told story about this world, about this environment, and about how everything works around it. I was actually very th taken aback by this, and I'm very excited. I will be picking this up for my PSP. Yeah, I'm still considering it i I'm, I'm just not a fan of the psp in general uh, just a lot of the actual physical aspects of it the loading times and such but the game itself I, I will agree it looks really cool um i've had issues in the past with some of the kingdom hearts tie-in games i still have nightmares about chain of memories i never finished that game which means that Heart kingdom system. hearts <clears throat> which means that kingdom hearts 2 made even less sense than it probably should have so i but i i loved the core titles i love kingdom hearts i love kingdom hearts 2 and it's great to see that this one is tying in so directly because if you were one of those obsessive compulsive people that got every single little bit of jiminy cricket's journal in kingdom hearts 2 you got the special ending of the game and in the special ending of the game it's the prequel to the Keyblade War, which is exactly the story that they're talking about here. So I think it's really cool that they're tying this game, not just as a side story, but directly into Kingdom Hearts 2 and hopefully Kingdom Hearts 3. Please give me Kingdom Hearts 3. And, but it, it, it all, one thing that bothers me about it is 
we can already kind of tell where the game story is going because they show these three uh, kids, the trainees for the Keyblades, the apprentices, Ventus, Terra, and Aqua. And, well, Ventus looks exactly like Sora. So <laughs> it well, already... Well, not exactly, but he he looks enough like Sora that we know that he's going to be the central character of the game. And when they're trying to at least market this game as the three characters, him being so visually close to Sora kind of sets him apart from the other two for me. Now, maybe the story sets him apart as well, but at this point, it kind of is a small little issue for me. Well, and I, I think one of the cool little aspects is the naming of the characters too: Ventus, Terra, and Aqua, Air, Earth, Water. Um, so it makes me wonder where the fourth element is. Um, makes me wonder if that's going to be the bad guy. There, there's always going to be a, a level of, of questioning to it, and there's always going to be some of it that you're not really going to agree with. But we know where the story is going. But let's look at a game that we already knew where the story was going, Final Fantasy Crisis Core. It's the prequel, essentially, to Seven really, all things considered. And it gives us a backstory. We know ultimately what happens, but that journey is just so amazing. You can't help but be drawn in by it. This has the potential to do exactly the same. Yeah, I just want to know where all the Final Fantasy characters are in this one. So far, the only one I've seen was Zack. I think we're going to see more of that later because I think that actually has something to do with the story itself, how the two worlds merge. Okay. So I, that's that's my understanding i don't know if that's 100 percent right but i think that would be interesting for them to see it you know i think that would be interesting to see how these disney characters actually got linked up with the the disney characters because we don't actually know you know i played kingdom hearts one five six seven times through completely and got all the different endings uh and you really don't understand why these two worlds came together and you don't really get a sense of that in the second game either really you get little tidbits here and there that hint at it but nothing major this would be a perfect opportunity to explain how this world is set up and i'm a sucker for world setup backstories i really am i'll freely admit it this has a great opportunity to do just that yeah, as long as i don't have to level up to 99 again just to fight sephiroth <laughs> So from there, we talk about another RPG that's going to be coming out fairly soon. Uh, Bastion Supergiant's Supergiant Games first title. Um, players are attempting to save the last remnants of humanity, humanity in an action RPG, not only by defeating monsters, but you're actively creating a world. And when I mean creating a world, I literally mean part of this game is actually a world builder where you are setting up tile sets. You are tearing things down, putting them back up, trying to, it's, it's a puzzle RPG adventure game. And it just looks absolutely interesting. And it looks like a very epic endeavor for a game company's first time out of the gate um, and not only is it giving you this awesome gameplay this very different uh, gameplay uh, but it also looks like it's going to offer a very rich story and experience for the player that may not exactly be repeatable every time through you may get a different result every time you play there may be different different ways to solve each puzzle that creates different things and you can see here if you're watching live the world crumbling the world being brought back up different characters and battle sequences and it just looks very rich. And it also has that, that cell-shaded graphics we were talking about before, which still looks very rich and very vibrant for the world and really sets itself well to this type of this type of game. And I think personally that it's going to be pretty exciting, especially for just a downloadable game. 
Yeah, I mean, look look how beautiful that trailer is with the hand-drawn graphics and some of the cinematics. I, it just looks so great. And the the world-building gameplay is something that I enjoy. Uh, we saw some of that in Dark Cloud on the PS2 and even to, I think it was ActRaiser on the Super Nintendo, where, where it was a similar uh, setup. You had to build the world before you could quest in it. If you didn't build up the world, there was nothing to do. And how you build the world then future affects the story so you you said it perfectly you could play through this game 50 times and have it be 50 different games depending on exactly how you build the game roger anything to add to that or no it looks really good actually i'm here i'm here i'm here (laughs) i have to keep unmuting me either that or you can listen to me dying in the background uh no it looks really good actually what do we know what platforms this is coming is it both psn and live or looks like both no it it looks fantastic the only downside with would be if it takes too long to build your environment first because a lot of people won't have the patience to spend that much time building their environment to then be able to play any kind of thing well i agree that was one of the downfalls of act razor is it a lot of people didn't get into it because it did take a while to build the world but this one just from what we're seeing from the trailer uh looks like it's all real time or at least a good chunk of it's real time. So as you're adventuring, you're also doing that as part of your basic gameplay. So it's not like a separate game all of itself. It's not two parts of game. It's all integrated within each other. So you're building these tiles as they're falling or trying to counteract this chaos. Uh, or as you're on the world map, you're dropping towns, you're dropping you know mountains and ranges and things like that. It, it looks like it's fully integrated, which I think is kind of important because that level of integration is something that would have made ActRaiser better than it was. And it is hailed as one of the classic games of all time let's be honest so i think that's i think that's very important to note about this game is that the integration between the two different styles of gameplay and that could make or break this game so moving right along uh from bastion we also got new news on the spider-man game shattered dimensions which will also be coming out on september 7th um we actually got a lot of the story for the game, and the story of the game reads as much. An artifact known as the Tablet of Order and Chaos is shattered into pieces during a skirmish between Spider-Man and Mysterio, causing problems with the multiverse. Uh, Madam Web calls on four different versions of the Spider-Man from four realities to assist her in bringing the realities back into balance. This is the Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man Noir, which is a 1930s-style Spider-Man with, you know, complete with gun as well as web slinging, uh, and he does murder people by the way. Uh, Spider-Man 2099, which is a possible future of the Marvel Universe, uh, and the symbiont bonded version of the ultimate Spider-Man. The Spider-Men are informed that the villains in their respective universes have received enhanced powers due to the fragments of the tablet in their possession. Each villain possessing a fragment is granted power to accomplish which they most desire, which is defeating Spider-Man of the respective universe. Can we say awesome? This is a classic comic book setup. This oh, yeah. is some- this this is this screams Kirby. I'm sorry. This screams like that. Where's the Beyonder? <laughs> That's all that's missing. And it's just so epically put together. Not until we talked about like the voice acting and things like that. Um but it's just this game itself, just it, it, you look at it and you look at how they're setting up the story, and it's just going to be epic. It's not just gonna be like you know, uh, a bash them up. It's not going to be a, a game where you just have no purpose. It's going to be a very story driven game, which is also kind of a departure from the other Spider-Man games. The other Spider-Man games to date, uh, even some of the best ones were very open sandbox ish. And I, I'll be perfectly honest. While I like my sandbox games, 
I don't like superhero sandbox games too much. And the reason I don't like it is because I feel obligated that I have to save every fucking citizen and I wind up ignoring the main story. So it gets lost in the shuffle of such a huge world. Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions is taking a very linear approach to it, very much like Batman Arkham Asylum did, so that you are presented with the storyline as you progress through the game. It doesn't even feel linear is what I'm hearing from people that have had this their hands on this game so far. So it feels very much like Batman did. It, it's It's going to be that sort of epicness and that story is going to be so rich and for a lot of players this is going to be their first exposure to spider-man noir which was a very small series run i think it was what last year or year before uh, they, they've been running the noir stuff for the last couple of years but yeah somewhere around yeah. there yeah so i mean it's it's not really well known not a lot of people know about it and i've read the noir comics and there's some fantastic writing in there. We're talking down and dirty detective stuff. And to see some of that be translated into a Spider-Man game is so much better than just having the the quick wit and the jumping across from different uh, buildings and webbing shit and beating things down. But you still get to do that. And there's also sequences where uh, Amazing Spider-Man makes a giant mallet out of his webbing and beats the shit out of Rhino while giving the quips. So you get your classic Spider-Man story on type of on top of everything else Vince yeah I mean th this game conceptually is perfect I can't find well I can find one fault but we'll get back to that in a minute I I'm just questioning the gameplay side of things on it I it's while I would love to rush out and get it tomorrow it's definitely one of those ones where I'm going to wait and see other people's opinions of the gameplay side of it and again Halo comes out next week anyway so any game I buy now is going to be pretty much a lost cause but to, to get back to that one little uh, conceptual part of it, when they the fourth Spider-Man was a mystery for a while. And when they announced it was Ultimate Spider-Man, I was a little underwhelmed by that one because two reasons. First of all, the ultimate Peter Parker character wise isn't that much different from the 616 amazing Spider-Man Peter Parker. And having him in the Venom symbiote costume is a nice twist and gives a different gameplay experience. But Honestly, the ultimate Spider-Man character spent very, very little time with the ultimate symbiote. But my our counter argument to that, even for myself, was, well, who the heck else were they going to choose? And then it was like two days ago, I had a revelation of who else they could have picked for the fourth Spider-Man. And I want to run this past you, Joe. They could have picked Spider-Girl Mayday Parker as that fourth Spider-Man and given an even further differentiation between the four different universes. I could see that. However, part of the game, my understanding is that the four souls picked are linked in some way more like each of the characters holds similar traits. So while that would work for just having four separate worlds, I don't think it would work so well in tying the four worlds together in such a way that the characters are similar because let's, let's let's break it down. Right. You have Amazing Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man is your mix of intelligence and power and your quick wit. Okay, you have Spider-Man Noir, who emphasizes that intelligence and has that same sort of background that the Amazing Spider-Man had just in the 30s. Okay, now you have Spider-Man 2099, who even in the future holds the same ideals as the Peter Parker from the other universes. That same sort of uh, characterization, that same sort of internal strife, that same sort of balance of power and wit. And then you have the ultimate Spider-Man, who is that very much that young kid just coming into his power and learning where he's going. So it's sort of like the setup for the other ones in a way. And I think that it was a good choice to go with the ultimate Spider-Man 
because partially it's one of the more recognized series recently for the new comic people. Um, it has sold a ton of copies, so people know who Ultimate Spider-Man is. Um, and going with the symbiote also allows them to do things like add carnage into the game in a more logical manner, which, guess what, folks? You will be fighting carnage in this game. And not just like little pussy carnage from the 90s on the Sega Genesis. We're talking badass carnage that is as smart as he is crazy so i mean i think it was a good choice because it also allows a very different type of rogues gallery compared to the other ones so i will i will agree with you well it would have been great to have the uh the, the may parker spider woman uh, i think they made a better choice and I, i'll buy with you with that it's just i've been going back and rereading some of those uh spectacular spider girl issues and going man i wish she was in shattered dimensions <laughs> dlc make it happen very well may happen you never know so from Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions, which will definitely be an epic game, and I'll be writing a review on it later this week, folks, uh, we got some new information about, well, Terra. Um, a little bit, just, just a tiny bit. Um, Terra actually is going to be releasing information probably the end of this week here uh, with one of the new cities, the city of Kaedor. Kaedor is the impregnable fortress of the Amon race, and it has absorbed 30 years of attacks from the Argon. The full history of the story, or the full history of the city will be made available on Terra's main site, and you will be able to basically delve into the history, not only of this major story, but of the race itself. Now, they've been doing this with with all the major cities in the game. All the major cities are getting the same treatment. Screenshots, in-depth history, history of why the race reveres it, why it is their main city, politics of the city, um, different sections of the city, the whole nine. They're actually building this world piece by piece in what they're giving us in news just as they are making the game. So we're actually going to be able to get into the Amon race, which is a very warlike race, uh, that we are going to see exactly why they are like they are and why the city is made such an, into such an amazing fortress and such a bastion of what they, they hold dear. And I will be checking back frequently for the TerraOnline.com about the world there, and we'll be seeing what they have to offer us later this week. I know I'm excited about it because every time I get a little bit of lore about this world, the more I want to play in it. Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to this one because I'm probably going to be playing an Amani in Terra because I want to make a Lancer. And if I'm making a Lancer, I'm not going to be a little panda bear like you. I want to make <laughs> the biggest, baddest Lancer I can find. And that's the Amani race. And I, this fortress is cool. The little bits of lore we've already gotten about the Amani, how they were slaves to the giants and they've just regained their freedom. And now we have their this other enemy of theirs who's trying to subjugate them again and they're fighting tooth and nail to hold on to every little bit of freedom that they've managed to eke out for themselves it seems like it's going to be a really really cool storyline for this race i agree too i think it's going to be a very interesting storyline i had a, an interesting conversation with a couple of people about Terra a while back because what they were saying was again when they're looking at it strictly from the development standpoint in the in korea they're afraid of how much of a life the game is then going to have story-wise because it's all well and good to have amazing gameplay if an MMO doesn't have a story that's going to hold you for a very long time it's not going to last years and it's that's what you need it to do and the downside right now well I shouldn't say downside what we're seeing right now is that they're spending so much energy in creating quests and everything for the western audience so that we have this immersive lore and world to sink our teeth into. However, what happens once 
they've done that. What happens once the game launches and within months, if that, everybody's gotten through everything. They're going to have to continue putting as much effort into this game over a very long period of time as they did in the development cycle. And what remains to be seen is whether or not they're going to want to make that commitment to the game over a very prolonged period of time. Because I don't anticipate that um, Blue Hole is going to keep updating quests and creating new quests and everything like that. However, it would then fall on Amass here to do that work. Well, if they've moved on to another game because their their job is bringing games to the Western audience, if they moved on to something else, are they still going to retain a staff to keep updating this game for literally years? I think that part's going to depend on how successful of a launch they have. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's a great point, and it uh, brings up a discussion I had with a friend of mine and one of our listeners, Ian, uh, when I was talking about the Final Fantasy XIV, like we talked about in the games podcast, and how the story in that was really solid, but a lot of the gameplay aspects were not. And he said that, well, they have the solid story in place. Gameplay refinements are something that can be made down the road rather easily, whereas, and he specifically pointed at Terra, that it has the possibly the pinnacle of MMO gameplay that we've seen to this point, but you can't just add the story. Once the game comes out, whatever story is there is pretty much it. You can expand mm, upon it. Actually, that's but, not true. But I'll, once I'm, once I'll use WoW as an example as a counter argument. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say no there. Actually, uh, I'll argue both of you. You can't, you don't even need to use WoW as an example, just based on the fact that this is all dreamed up for Terra. They can do whatever they want. They've created this lore, this, this backbone that they can do whatever they want story-wise. From a creative standpoint, looking at this, I... I sit back and I think of this in terms of being a writer and I look at what they've done in setting the groundwork and it gets me going creatively to want to write amazing stories and I'm, I don't feel held back. I feel like I could write anything for this because it's dreamed up. In so much as they dream this up, they can dream something else up. So as long as you can tie it together somewhat, you can have phenomenal stories for years and years to come and like, I, and I, I would say wow just for and i'll use that as an example for my end because look at a game that already has an established lore at this point and look how much they're changing that lore and still adding new story different story updating things as they're going around when you have an ip like this this is not like saying you know you're making another star wars game or a star trek game where there's already a certain set amount of information that you have to work with them this is your baby so they can do whatever the hell they want and we've seen it actually work for other games yeah, but, but it's also, like you said, Roger, the amount of effort required for that. They're putting, like you said, all this effort into building the base universe that I respect them for. But it's um, the amount of effort they have to then take to maintain upon that. Whereas this, the gameplay changes, at least from an overall perspective, aren't that much effort. And don't get me wrong, the programming is a lot of work. But in the overall aspect of the game, changing the way the camera's controls work as opposed to adding in an entire continent and quest lines, that's two vastly different amounts of effort involved to put forth and continue the game. Which is why I'm concerned about how 
how long this will last because they will need to continue to bring keep bringing in writers and and they'll need to keep bringing in fresh writers as well to continue to have very new refreshing ideas that still work conceptually with the game but that are again refreshing enough that people will want to keep playing the game and keep coming back there's going to be same as with any other mmo a point where a large portion of the people will stop playing this game and then it becomes their job to create something an expansion or whatever so absolutely different and fun that it brings all those people back i think that they've got the base that they can do that the question then becomes who's going to do that how long is on going to be developing working on this game once it's here that's the big question and i think all that's really gonna it's going to boil down to success it's going to boil down to how many people are playing it. it's going to boil down to how the game is holding up uh, after its release how it's looking things like that because if the game's dying if the game's not you know really doing much of anything they really don't have an investment on it so much as to you know work on another project it might be more fruitful for them whereas if they stay there may be money to be made i mean let's let's face it at the end of the day we may be gamers but they're a business folks you know they they're in it to make money they're in it just as much as they are to make wonderful games they want to make money off this is their livelihood so i think that's going to be the deciding factor yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to actually asking them this on Thursday when we speak to them, because it yes. is a question that I really want to know. What kind of commitment have they made to this game in terms of years kind of thing? I definitely agree. Vince, anything else to add to that? No, that's that's enough for a page of screenshots. We got a lot of action out of that page of screenshots. Go us. Yes. Now, moving on to the next topic, we're going to talk about a little Knights of the Old Republic. We're talking about Star Wars, so why the hell not, right? So Mysteries of the Knights of the Old Republic uh, has come out with a little more information here, um, talking a little bit more about the Jedi Civil War and uh, how it's leaving some unanswered questions. Uh, it's in the difficult days following the showdown between uh, two of the Darths, uh, Jedi Order struggling to survive. Uh, basically, you get this world that's really thrown into chaos, and they explain this. This world isn't, they can't really investigate. They can't really take the time to invest into searching for answers and, and things like like that they have to react so much to how the what the world's doing around them uh, and things like that uh, so the trailer that they they released gives a little bit of information about that but also shows us some well rather amazing combat sequences that we can expect some great visuals some great combat some great one-on-one -on -one. we even get to see a little bit of the interface during conversations uh, pretty well a successful video to get me excited about this game that's for damn sure um one of the other things that it does is it also uh, gives us a little tidbit that there's going to be an Empire side quest line that ties the old Republican with the predecessors. So we're going to get a little more linkage between this and the other games. Uh, I'm excited about this. I mean, I, to see that they're they're actually taking the time to make sure the story arc matches uh, and at the same time producing such a vibrant gameplay. I'm excited. Well, yeah, and especially when you consider the 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 quest that you're going on that 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 the Empire is sending you on is to find the lost tomb of Darth Revan. Well, Darth mm -hmm. Revan was hey, the game came out forever ago, so spoiler warning. Darth Revan was your player character in the first Knights of the Old Republic game, so it's really cool that not not just tying it into the lore, they're tying it into you. Anybody who yep. played Knights of the Old Republic 
played Revan. So now they're seeing the continuation of that character that they helped develop into the MMO. And of course, where Revan goes, his entourage follows, as is going to come up in the trailer here on the, on the stream in a second, with HK-47. <laughs> so one of the favorite characters from Knights of the Old Republic is coming into the older public there he is now whether he's a boss character or a companion we don't know and what i'm finding very interesting is if there's going to be a jedi side a republic side uh version of, of this, of this quest line. <laughs> yeah that thing <laughs> because yeah as as we know bioware game you have the morality system darth revan didn't have to become the evil sith lord at the end of the first game so it would be cool to see if maybe the Jedi are looking for this guy named Revan as well. And maybe the tomb of Darth Revan isn't necessarily, you know, the Dark Lord of the Sith, but maybe sort of this gray character that both side, both factions can really get some good story out of. And hey, if both sides get access to the HK-47 companion, all the better, because I would love to have him toting around behind me, giving his little one-liners. And I... I think that's one of the cool things about it is that character, that sort of gray area that they could play with. That's awesome. I think I think that could produce some very interesting storyline and some very interesting epic gameplay. Especially since we don't know their their how they're taking it. Like maybe this is your your Sith character seeing, hey, the tomb of the the great Sith Lord Darth Revan, who ended up you know fighting against the Sith. So maybe that's that can start your character down the path of then reclaiming the light side, you know, following in the footsteps of this Darth Revan or conversely your Jedi go going towards the dark side. I, I don't know. I think it's interesting and I can't wait to see more of it. And I like the fact that we're getting, uh, I would like to call this the, the breadcrumb trail because <laughs> leading up to release, they keep releasing these little juicy tidbits that give you a little savory, you know, taste in your mouth and then just kind of leave you waiting for the more. So I, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I loved the Old Republic. I played. I'm sorry, uh, Knights of the Old Republic. I loved it. I absolutely loved uh, Kodor, and I can't wait to see this. Actually, Kodor had a lot of likes too. Like my son is actually playing Kotor again for the second time now. We have how many new games in the house, and yet he's going back and played that one again. And this time, he actually went back and deleted a whole bunch of saves just to make sure that he can get every team member even <laughs> is that <laughs> devoted to it. So it, it's again, when you're looking at how much they accomplished with that one, and then looking at how much more they can do with this now, not simply because times have changed because of all the advances in, in, in game development and whatnot, but also looking at it in terms of because it's an MMO and they have so much more freedom in terms of story and things like that and continued story and changing things on the fly. It's they've again, they've proven they can tell a good story. This here is going to be now giving them a chance to, see how long they can maintain. I mean, we were just talking about that with Terra. How long is Bioware going to be able to maintain stories with this? And with this, I've got no doubts. None at all. I know that this can go for years and they will keep introducing amazing stuff for it. Well, I agree. And I mean, they have the development team to lay behind it as well as the money uh, and the time that they can devote an entire team to do nothing but that. So, I mean, we're definitely going to see our money's worth out of this. We really, really are. I think it's just a matter of, you know, getting that initial push. And I think we'll be good. 
All right, so uh, our lovely correspondent, uh, Tart Darling here, was uh, able to go to PAX uh, to one of the meetup events for Terra. Why don't you tell us about what happened there? Well, it wasn't PAX itself. They had the meetup at this bar in downtown. It's about two blocks away from the convention itself, um, which was actually really nice. They had closed-off room in the bar. There was about probably a good 60 people there, actually, which is pretty impressive given all the events that were going on there was the white wolf event that night and there was a bunch of other invite only events the game works in downtown was shut down for a private party and everything that's very cool so you got there and you were doing your little uh soiree mingling what else did you find out for us um well most of the presentation i actually am working on getting all of the notes transcribed from my phone to something for the site um Everything was on the writing aspect for this, how they created the characters, kind of how they come up with the quests. They did an audience participation event letting we got to name a character. Um, We got to create a character in one of the worlds just to give an idea of what they did, how they come about, you know, picking up character traits, um, keeping it so that you feel like a character is part of the class and not or part of their race rather and keeping those traits similar, but that not everyone is the same. Uh, so when you're talking about, you got to talk to some of the writers who, who exactly was there, who was at the, this little meetup? It was the entire writing staff. Um, got some, there got some nine names. writers. I'm trying to remember everyone's name because I don't have this site up. And as anyone who's talked to me for more than 10 minutes knows, I'm horrible with names. Um, <laughs> Noonan was the one leading the presentation but they were only missing two people from their nine on the writing staff um but i'd have to try and find the list of names on Terra to remember was, who was there so it was a pretty sizable chunk of the writing core yeah it was um like i said seven of the nine writing staff and then they had um i don't know how much you guys stock the Terra forums but um brother magneto was there and scapes was there and then they had a couple of the other community forum type people there was a bunch of people from terra fans there um one of the bigger guilds that's been doing some forum or some focus group testing for them was there um they did have a lot of the community there they had even said at one point that the ceo from nmas was trying to make it but got held up with stuff from the convention itself and couldn't make it to the event Okay, uh, so did they discuss uh, the future of the storyline? Basically, did they talk anything about their commitment to the future of the game, like how much you're going to sit around, how much you're going to write for it beyond the initial push? That they didn't too much. They did kind of give a glimpse that they had stuff planned for beyond release. Um, They did say that with the map, they had the two continents, and then there's a third section that you can't get to, and all they would say was, yet um they didn't say kind of how far down the line they were anticipating that being or whether or not they felt that that might be an expansion later on or if they were even to try and go that route but they did say quite a bit that they were just kind of barely getting into things that what's going to come at release that yeah right now they've got like a thousand quests already in the game um 
and just a ton of stuff to do and that they were just really getting into the end game, but they wouldn't give really any details about it at all. But they did say that, yeah, they have plans for the future for it. They just were real vague on what those plans were. All right. So what were they saying about their reaction to people, basically people's reaction to the game? How are they feeling about it? Uh, I mean, obviously, it seems like they're a little excited about it. Obviously, I, I think they had a for your description there. It sounds like they had a good time. But what did they say about it? You know, did they are they were they getting what they expected better than they expected, worse than they expected? Um, they said that they actually got a little bit better than they anticipated. They said that they did wind up having one of the longer lines at PAX. Um, I think they said that only the Duke Nukem line was longer than theirs. But they said that, you know, every time they had even a T-shirt giveaway, that people that had been there before were coming back at the hours that they announced and, you know, really wanting to... They said they had people that would show up three or four times for game demos and that almost everyone when they got done with their time on the demo was asking if they could extend their time because they didn't want to stop playing. Well, that's always a good reaction. Did they talk about the uh, each of the races and how far they're in in terms of writing the, um, the lore for each of the races? Um, they did a little bit. What they actually do is of the nine people on the writing staff, everybody has a like specific race that they're in charge of. So it's not when I've heard some stuff about, you know, the wow and how they do it, their lore is a little bit different. Kind of everybody knows everything. It's all tied in. There's everybody's real specific. If you're going to play a high elf, there is a writer that does nothing but the high elf lore. So they know everything about so it. Yeah, but are they kind of all on the same track or are we seeing, did they say whether or not some of the writers have gotten significantly further in their backstory as opposed to others? No, they they did seem like everybody was kind of on the same page. Um, one of the things that they had shown was when they were working on the lore and kind of the character personalities for the different races and how they would respond to things. They used the example of they gave all of them how would your race say, like, let's go out and go get coffee? And I'll have them all written down. They're transcribed on my phone right now, uh, which is dying and charging. But they had kind of how each race would, you know, say, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. And they said that was one of their first buildings, but that's how they've kind of expanded when they want to know something about the race. They give it to everyone and everyone has to kind of keep at that same spot so that yeah nobody gets you know 10 feet ahead of somebody else in their descriptions or oh well I've got my entire backstory done but yours is only you know two paragraphs what about uh, stuff we're in it's not just it's not class or I shouldn't say class it's not race specific did they say who's working on that or is it a joint project then at that point um some of the stuff is joint project they did say that they had um a wiki that will be out once the game comes into beta that is what they use um, to keep track of everything so that everybody's all on the same page. But yeah, everybody had their specific race that they were in charge of and then something else, whether it was weapons or items or something like that. They all have kind of two parts that they're specialized in, whether it's a specific zone um, 
kind of, you know, certain aspects of the background. They tried to get it to where it was real specific to just a couple people. And then those people are able to, you know, answer any questions. So that way, you know, if you're working on something and it ties into a zone that's somebody else's zone, you know who to ask because they know all of the details. That's exciting, I think. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it, it really was because then it meant that when they were doing kind of their meet and greet after, everyone was able to walk around. And if you had a question about a specific race or a zone or you wanted to know something, if they didn't know, they could point you at exactly which writer knew and could answer your question. So, so that part you, was really nice. If you had to pick up the highlights for the evening while you're sitting there at the bar with the boys, um, what would you say were the, the, the major highlights? Um, the major highlights, it was really interesting when they did the audience participation um, just because it gave a real clear example of how they create characters. Um, they do these things called diamonds for the characters and they have to pick um, two traits that are specific to that race and all of the race has their you know base four characteristics and then they pick two of those for every NPC in the game and then they pick like a third kind of somewhat tied to them and then a fourth completely random and so that's how they get their four characteristics for all of their npcs and then they go okay well we know they're going to be here and try and figure out how they can build it into a quest so it was kind of neat to see them taking a room full of people's you know random suggestions yelled out and turn it into how they would make it into a character in the game and then how they would tie that into a quest And their biggest thing was, well, why should you care? With every NPC, they sit and go, well, why why should you care? We don't put the NPCs in the games just to have them stand there and look pretty. You should have some kind of investment in every NPC in the game, which was really, I mean, how many games sit there and go, okay, you know, yeah, we're not just going to have some nameless guard. You're going to care why that specific guard is there. So what I'm hearing from this is just more excitement, and I encourage everybody to make sure that they uh, download our interview that we're going to be having later this week with the boys, uh, as we're going to be asking them many of these questions for clarification, as well as trying to pull as much as we can out of them, uh, and hopefully it will be a good time while we're doing it. So Tart, I want to thank you very much for, well, going to the bar, which I know not really have to thank you for doing that, but for getting the information while you were there uh, and, and bumping elbows. And uh, I would like to thank Roger and Vince for a wonderful show as well. And everybody in the audience for coming along. Thank you very much. Now the rain came pouring down. Me and Billy standing there with a silver half a crown. So basically the maturity level just went through the roof is what you're saying. Oh, clearly. I'm, I'm so full of maturity. I'm kind of a little upset we didn't get a chance to talk about the Batman game. Please don't leave us. (laughs) Holy Christ, how many links did you put in this goddamn thing? You wanted me to be thorough. Yeah, I know, but... Ah, ha, ha. You could have disappointed me a little bit. Look at Vince. A little disappointment does... uh, I ain't opening all of these. Screw that shit. That's fine. That's fine. just talk about it. I'm going to play WoW. Screw you. (laughs) 
Okay, all right, that's not too bad. Okay, Joe, she's all yours. It will run more ways. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> that not be Mute, mute. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I know. He's Feels a love. lot sweeter than I am ending a show. Jeez. Like, okay, audience, bye. All right, y'all, y'all don't got to go home, but you got to get the hell out of here. Yeah. So, Vince, I have time for one quick game of SC2 before I have to go back oh, to Jesus the salt mines. You have any idea the kind of trouble you're about to get me in? Because I just told Ian I couldn't play StarCraft. <laughs> we're not. We're not going though. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not. We're not. He's not hearing us. <laughs> just saying. Uh, well, God damn it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, decide soon, because I'm closing down the conversation here. All right. Yes. All right. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. guys. Bye. <laughs> I just like jelly roll, and it's down me, and it's down me to my soul.